Welcome to a new episode on Hamburger Generation, Jilil Hamburger. Our guests come to our show with their stories and their voice. Their voice, which is ultimately the key to unlocking these stories. Listen on to learn about Malak, her experience with selective mutism, and how she learned to find her voice. Um, I was born in Bulgaria, mm-hmm. um, in a small like village in the mountains, to a Turkish family, so like in a Turkish village, and then I moved to the states the u.s with i stop you right there sure. so it's a turkish village in bulgaria yeah so that part is kind of a long story in itself but um in let's my, hear it you want to hear it from the beginning okay yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. yeah so basically bulgaria used to be turkey so it used to be the ottoman empire mm-hmm. and then um it eventually became bulgaria and then the bulgarian communist party took over so there was still a lot of Turkish people left in Bulgaria and they were kind of like this oppressed minority there because at some point they weren't allowed to speak Turkish. They weren't allowed to have like Turkish names. We weren't allowed to like read Turkish books or watch Turkish movies. And then we also weren't allowed to leave the country. So Shit. basically like all of these, I think it was like a million Turkish people were Why trapped. are you not allowed to leave the country? Wouldn't they want to like get rid of you and your culture? Or, like Yeah, that's a good question. So they, they kind of just wanted us to become Bulgarian. So like mm-hmm. they converted us to Christianity um, and all these things, and, like change everyone's names to Bulgarian names and like change the names of our villages to Bulgarian names. So like when my parents were growing up, this is what was happening. Um, and you weren't allowed to leave the country. So they were kind of like stuck there. It's like jail. Yeah. And you have to change your religion as well? Mm-hmm. So you couldn't be Muslim. So like my family is Muslim and I grew up Muslim, but you weren't allowed to practice that. But So basically everyone did these things in secret. So like my parents spoke Turkish in secret and like they used their own names. They're like birth names, but they had to use their Bulgarian given names like in public. What a way to make people like love their culture more, though, right? Is to be like, you're not allowed to to be whoever you are. They'd be like, but I love it so much. Exactly. Yeah, that's why when people ask me like what I am, I always say I'm Turkish. Like I never lived in Turkey. I wasn't born in Turkey Mm. and I grew up in the States. And some people are like, but what makes you Turkish? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I know that my parents literally fought for their right to be Turkish so yeah, so you got to own it in yeah. that way. And so I'm like, I know that like my people went through so much like living in Bulgaria and like they had to fight for their right to just like speak their language and have their name. So I'm like, yeah, like I'm not Bulgarian. I, wow. I can't say that I'm Bulgarian. As That's a Palestinian, so as a Palestinian, I can relate to that story very much so. Right. Five million percent. Yeah. Never been there. Never right. lived there. No, you know, but still, I feel like I owe it to my family to say that I'm Palestinian. Right. You have to represent like exactly. everything that they've been through as well straight up so then your family decided to like migrate or immigrate to the states yeah family um so just so my dad actually it was always his dream to go to america since Mm. he was a little boy the land of the free yes exactly home of the brave (laughs) thanks jimmy (laughs) exactly and so like you grew up in a country that's not free um so my dad actually applied for the green card lottery it's like Mm. the diversity visa program and won um so i got really really lucky actually to come to the u.s Um, And this was the time. So like when I was born, the borders had just opened. Um, The Bulgarian Communist Party had 
collapsed and there was another government um, and they opened the borders of Bulgaria. And so all the Turkish people flew, uh, fled to um, Istanbul or like to Turkey um, where they could be free, where they could be mm. Turkish and they wouldn't be oppressed. And so most of my family actually went to Turkey. And at that time we went to the States because my dad won the green card lottery. Wow. Yeah. Where in the States did you go? Chicago. Okay. Yeah. How old were you? I was three. All right. So this is like your whole life. Right. Yeah. So I basically grew up in, in Chicago. Okay. What's cool. your earliest memory of the United States? My first memory ever actually is in the United States. So I don't have any memories from Bulgaria, but I actually remember like landing in the airport. This is like the first memory that I, I know. And I remember landing and just feeling like I was on like an alien planet or something because I didn't understand what anyone was saying anymore mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize like the concept of like a different language and they were speaking English and I was like I don't understand anyone like these are just like aliens to me and I remember it was kind of like scary and I didn't really understand like the concept of like another country or anything um, so those were like my first memories just like people speaking around me and I was like I don't know what everyone's saying like it's weird you yeah, know? yeah yeah and was it was it hard for your parents to you know move to a whole other country did they speak english what was it like for them yeah so my parents didn't speak a word of english they had no money um they didn't know anyone in the states um so it's funny because after we got out of the airport in the in chicago my parents didn't really know anything about the country or didn't know anyone didn't really have any money so like the first place we lived was basically right next to the airport because mm -hmm. we literally didn't know the areas didn't know anything so they just got this like apartment close to the airport and me and my brother um would like stand outside the apartment and like look at the planes go by every day because we were so excited to see planes because we had only been on that one plane and we never really saw planes and we would just like jump up and down and like um, point at the planes and stuff but yeah it was definitely really hard for them they both worked like very manual factory jobs like multiple jobs um I just remember like they were always working like at the beginning like it was really difficult for them to just like kind of catch up and like um, just be able to pay the bills and so like I kind of grew up just watching them just work really really hard and struggle to make it. So then you grew up in the states I mean like what's the next chapter in your story you grew up living yeah. the all-american life or you know I don't know what you tell me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say I lived the all-American life. I think that I, I definitely grew up very Turkish. Again, it's that thing where, like, my parents were very, like, proud of being Turkish. And so I grew up kind of, like, in a strict household. So, like, I didn't really feel like I fit in with, like, my American friends, for example. Like, yeah. I would go home and, like, my parents would speak Turkish and we would eat Turkish food and... I didn't really have like the concept of sleepovers or like um, having friends over and like holidays and then Christmas and stuff like that. So I think it was always a little bit different when I like went home from school. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like I don't really get the other lives of like Americans. True. Um, I can definitely relate to that because I grew up in Canada. Okay. So yeah, you, you like you, you can definitely like you go home and you can have that comparison of like, right. oh, what my friends lives are like versus what my life's like. And also the concept of like, how hard 
you, your family tries to preserve your culture. Right. I'm sure your family was used to it in Bulgaria, but in the States, it's a similar struggle just to preserve the culture and the language and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I think when I was a kid, I was kind of like, I was so jealous of like my, my American friends and how they were growing up. And I felt like they had so much freedom. Um, but now, like now that I've grown up and I've kind of seen what they went through and I have this different perspective, I'm like, that was really nice that they were trying so hard to preserve this culture because it's very hard to do in the states especially when you don't know anyone that's kind of from your culture as well like it's not like they had so many friends from bulgaria or from turkey that they could kind of connect with it was like they were building it all within our household and trying to like have us grow up with it and me my brother were just like no we just want to be like everyone else yeah yeah you just want to like blend in and be like american kids you know right i get that i get that but what's it like for you when you meet like bulgarian people do you be like hey or like, oh man that's a good question um it actually like felt kind of like weird when you asked that because i was like i've never like thought about that um so i don't even like speak bulgarian i don't know anything about bulgarian but you have a connection culture yeah i guess i do and i and i do go back to bulgaria often to like visit my grandma still lives there but like i don't even know what bulgarian food is like i don't really because the village i grew up in it was very turkish like okay. we were like a little turkey so yeah, when I meet a, like another Bulgarian, I guess, or a B- Bulgarian person, I, I don't feel any connection at all. What about mm. Turkish person? Yeah, immediately I connect with them. Mm. Um, I get really excited and I'm like, we start speaking Turkish. And um, I always say like, I'm from Turkey, like I'm not. But if I meet a Turkish person, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm also from Turkey. And then if they ask like, oh, where in Turkey? And I'm like, oh, well, actually Bulgaria. But uh. you know, I grew up in this Turkish village. <laughs> I lived with my family until I was 17. And then at that point, I kind of left home on my own for kind of a few reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing I think, like um, like I mentioned, there was this kind of clash of me growing up with my pretty traditional Turkish parents and just kind of the expectations they had for me were like, to get married and to be a housewife and to have kids Mm. um my parents got married really young and like everyone in my family especially the woman just got married really young a lot of them were kind of like arranged as well so that's kind of what they wanted for me too was was there like talks like they were already putting pressure on you like oh within a year or two like that kind of thing yeah it was like i mean at that when i was 17 actually so i told jamil about this but um they had this friend who was actually living in my my dad's friend who was living in bulgaria um he had a son and that family was like very very wealthy they're very successful and so they wanted me to kind of marry their son and they had like come to live with us for a couple months to kind of like, scope I guess, you. yeah, oh. scope me out. And then when I was like 17, they're like, OK, so we want you to like marry this guy. You're going to have a great life. You're going to go back to Bulgaria and you're going to live with with him. And they were Turkish as well. And I was just like, no, like I, I really don't want this. But I think it's like hard to say no in like that kind of situation. Mm. Um, like as a woman, you're just kind of supposed to like listen to your parents and obey what they say and it's really hard to like go against that so for me I was just like I need to get out of here so that's kind of when I left on my own and I just kind of like applied to college on my own got like a full scholarship and then I went like to the University of Illinois which is like three hours south of Chicago were your parents aware of these of what you were doing like as in did you like publicly announce I am leaving or was it like you ran away um 
so I told them, you know, after I got the scholarship and I got accepted and everything. So for me, I wanted to make sure that it was going to work. Like I didn't want to be like, oh, I want to apply to college. That's three hours away. Because like for me, my parents really wanted me to live with them until I was married. Like it's mm. a big thing. Um, it's very unusual for like a woman to just like, you know, in my culture to just like leave before they're married and like live on their own separate from their parents. So they were like, okay, you can go to college, but like you can go to community college and you have to live with us. It's like, I don't know, it was it was a difficult thing for them to accept that I wanted to like leave the house. Yeah. But I was like, oh, no, you know, I kind of pretended that I didn't get into any other college. I was like, I just got into this school and it's three hours away um, and I just got a full scholarship. And so I'm going to go. So, yeah, no, they weren't too happy about it. But yeah, so I left and then I kind of supported myself throughout college. So I had that full scholarship and then I also worked quite a bit just to pay like my bills um, and stuff like that. But that was kind of, yeah, the first time I had freedom, I think. from, mm, from How was life. it? It was really hard, actually, um, just because it was my first time living on my own and I was working a lot. Like I didn't have any social life in college. I just worked almost full time and then I took extra classes because I wanted to finish in three years which I did just because I wanted to start like earning money and be independent and like be on my own so it was just it was pretty stressful and then my last semester which was my junior year technically I had a full-time job that I continued on for like three years after college um so I was like working a full-time job my part-time job and then like taking a full load of classes wow so it was pretty stressful, but mm. definitely worth it. As a child, I think I was pretty depressed, I guess. Um, I had a lot of like social anxiety. I was really shy. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I had this like speaking disorder, actually. Um, and I feel like now people are like, oh, you know, I can't even believe that you had that. But I it's called selective mutism. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Oh, really? You've yeah. heard of it. I've I feel like when I was younger, nobody had heard of it. Um, I had never heard of it. Yeah, I think most people haven't. And I never heard of it until I was like 14 years old. So what is it exactly? Yeah. So Please. selective mutism is basically... It's, it's, it's essentially really extreme social anxiety that paralyzes you. And so you basically can't talk to strangers or anyone that you're not 100% comfortable with. So I could basically only talk to my family. And then I actually didn't talk in school at all. Like I just mm. was basically mute in school. And at the time when I was a child growing up, I actually thought that I couldn't talk like in school or to other people I was just like this is just how life is for me like it's just it's just not going to happen but yeah and then I started kind of talking when I got to high school and to high school so you had yeah. <laughs> never spoken to anyone yeah uh, other than your family right. until you reached high school yes wow yeah do you do you remember any incident or situation that kind of made it begin or was it just always like that um, so when I came to the States when I was three, that's when it started, actually. that's So I was very, very so young. It's like I, the shock. Yeah. The move. Um, I think, yeah, that was probably it. And I think just the, like switching languages and I think like those moments of being so scared of people mm. talking in this weird language to me and I, I didn't understand. I think that kind of kept me within myself and mm. I, I didn't want to talk. I was like really scared. And then that just kept going on, I think, over time. 
but yeah, I always really wanted to. Like I always had things to say, obviously, but I, I couldn't. And it's like this feeling that like you open your mouth and you feel like not like nothing comes out. Like no matter how much you want to or how much you try, you really just can't speak. Yeah, but I always I was like, one day I'm going to do it. One day I'm going to do it. But it was always in my mind, like when I'm an adult, when I'm a grown up, that's when I'm going to speak because I want to have a job one day and I want to like be a normal person and, you know, fit into society. So at this point, we had moved to a new um, town. And I think that was like a catalyst for me was like I was in a new school and I was yeah. like surrounded by people that didn't know that I didn't yeah. talk. And it was actually like I had computer class. This is back when like we were still learning how to use computers in school. And it was like a typing class or whatever. And we were just going around the classroom and everyone just like introducing themselves by just saying their name. And nobody knew my situation, which is like it's hard enough to explain to people that you have the situation. They just have to notice it. You can't really say, hey, I don't talk. Well, because you can't (laughs) talk. Exactly. (laughs) Like they just have to wait to see like, oh, okay, she doesn't speak. Um so anyway, we were all introducing each other and I was like, this is it, Malik. You're going to do it. You're going to say your name. Like I was literally like sweating bullets. I was like bright red. I was like shaking oh my in my gosh. chair. And all I had to do was say my name. That's all everyone was saying. And um, they got to me and in my mind, I had said my name. I had said Malik out loud. Um, no one heard it because like, I don't know, I was just too quiet and like I wasn't used to speaking in public at all. So it was just extremely quiet. And so like in my mind, I was like, I said it. I was so happy with myself. And the teacher was like, excuse me, what? Did you say something? And I was just like quiet. But I was like, "Okay, I said my name. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if anyone heard me. I said it. Um, And then after that, I just kind of made it like a goal to say like one word a day even if it's just like yes or hi mm. and then after that it was just like after a few months of that it was just say one sentence every day or like start one conversation with someone every day which like sounds easy but when you've never done it it's actually the most terrifying thing in the world and I remember those days where I was like okay today I have to say two sentences and I would be like freaking out like trying to strategic- strategically pick like which class periods I would would say them in and who exactly I would choose to talk to and what exactly I was going to say. And I would write it down on a piece of paper and I'm like holding the paper in my hand. Like I'm going to say this. And like, I was shaking, Mm. but I was like, if I don't do this, I'll never be able to just like have conversations with people if I don't keep pushing myself. And it was like, I'd have weeks sometimes where I would just kind of give up. I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to go back to being quiet because it's easy and it's safe and I'm invisible and everything's okay. And then I'd be like, no, no, no. Okay. Start back up because you, you have to keep going and like, you have to keep doing this. So it's like a constant internal struggle. Yeah. It's a new meaning to choose your words carefully. Yeah. Um, uh, my my daughter Tamara has a friend in school who has selective mutism. Really? Who I'm really like I'm good friends with the mom. So the mom has shared with me that it happened to her daughter when she was in F in FS like in pre KG, where I, I guess a teacher yelled at her in the beginning of the year, like maybe in like a mean way or something, and then over time she slowly became quieter and quieter and quieter in class, mm. and near mm-hmm. the end of the year she was completely quiet and the teacher never kind of raised the flag to the mom to be like this is happening so when when it was too late the mom knew about it so and she only decides not to talk in school right so outside of school when they're traveling when they go see their family in jordan or whatever completely normal child but within the school she does not want to talk at all wow and for some reason 
she feels comfortable to talk to my daughter Tamara. Wow. So That's she'll amazing. whisper to Tamara things that she needs, you know? Um, so she's always like, tell Tamara, like, get Tamara to do this or that or bring her over, record a video, or she's trying to, like, break that. Yeah, because the girl kind of has this, like, huge wall of, like, talking in school and she just doesn't know how to do it. So the mom was even saying they're going to move schools because she doesn't want to be known as the girl who doesn't talk. Right. She wants to move schools where nobody knows anything about her and then maybe she'll feel more brave to do it. That'll be that helpful. That kind of thing. Yeah. And I think therapy or, like, just um, having a voice, not voice coach, but, like, speech therapy really helpful i think that's one of the most helpful things just having like an adult that lets them be who they are and lets them like gives them that space because i obviously went through a lot of therapy afterwards um like in my 20s about this and like when i was growing up it wasn't a thing nobody knew what it was at all um and now that i'm like an adult i hear like people with their kids that have it and i'm like oh yeah i went through this like this is what it was like and um and now luckily like there's so many actual therapies for it too i mean like the girl like because her mom told me she describes it as like when she she tells her mom that i really really want to talk but then when i go to talk i can't you like you physically can't like you feel like you can't She's like i can't i feel like my throat is closed like i'm choked like i can't the words won't come out she's like i'll open my mouth and i'll try to squeeze it out but i just i can't yeah i've actually done like so much research about i've joined like all these support groups and stuff and i'm trying to like talk to other people about it or people who have kids and stuff but it it actually is the mind paralyzing the body like it's an actual physical reaction that you're having it's such extreme anxiety that um you're actually paralyzed like you it paralyzes the way that you interact and for a lot of people they can't move normally like you can't move your arms freely or like walk freely like even your movement is restricted but yeah it's just your mind telling your body to shut down and and don't like open up because it's just like a fear of basically like deep down it's a fear of getting hurt and like if you speak your voice then you yourself can be hurt but if you can stay invisible nothing can happen to you Mm. Mm. man that's tough do you remember you telling someone a sentence or two that was like a breakthrough like oh my god i just found my confidence well definitely not confidence but i think the first time someone responded to me because i usually said things that weren't something you would respond to like usually someone would ask me a question and i would like instead of nodding my head which i normally would just nod my head but like I had never had someone respond to me before like that was such a crazy thing because I think I asked someone a question I was like what class are you in next or something like that and they responded to me and I remember freaking out because I was like wait they heard me like they heard what I'm saying and like something went on in their head and they're responding to me like I never had that happen (laughs) and it was just such a like you don't realize like it's such a freaky thing when it happens for the first time like okay now you're in a conversation now what like what do I say next that was was all I said I was like okay this is like the world is endless (laughs) (laughs) yeah interesting question yeah did you ever try to communicate like with pointing or hand gestures or anything yeah so actually in elementary school i realized early on obviously that i needed to communicate somehow um so there are two things when i was really young i like created my own like little sign language system and i couldn't tell you all the things now but this is before like internet and stuff too like you can't just look up like okay how do I communicate and stuff so I like made up symbols and I wrote down what the symbols were and I just like had this piece of paper that my one classroom that I was in knew and my teacher knew and so I would make these like hand signals 
um, and like move my hands in a certain way to indicate certain things like I need to go to the bathroom or I don't have my homework or like um, can I have this or like something like that so everyone kind of understood what that meant and then um what's like i need to go to the bathroom how do you do that i don't remember honestly um mm. but it was just like a series of like gestures okay, okay with my hands um and it was a lot of pointing yeah and that to me felt like i was communicating i was like this is good enough and i felt comfortable with that um so we weren't allowed to pass notes in class like it was you know you you would get in trouble for that but that was the only way I could talk to people sometimes is like to pass a note. I wasn't doing it to be, to be like a bad kid. It was like, I need to tell someone something I had to pass a note. And so my teacher saw me doing this one day in fourth grade. I was like 10 years old or like eight or nine yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, she saw me doing that. And I was like, I was scared I was going to get in trouble. Cause I saw other kids getting yelled at for like passing notes. And then I was uh, passing a note to the kid next to me. And then, it was the next day, basically, I came into the classroom and I don't know when they did this, but like every kid had a little like paper mailbox that they taped to the back of their chair um, so that I could communicate with them and like put little mm. oh, letters. Oh, that's sweet of that teacher. Yeah, yeah oh. it was really sweet. And then she let everyone write notes from then on. So it wasn't just me. It was actually everyone was like writing little notes to each other. And like you could just pass little notes into these like handmade um, mailboxes on everyone's chair. And I remember like that was the first time I was like, I felt accepted and I was like that's really cool that like she went out of her way she was a great teacher she went out of her way to make me feel like it's okay to be mm. like how I am and like oh to communicate God. like this teachers that's yeah. a good teacher that's a good teacher oh man that's a challenge and then to break that mold that's mind-blowing mm. so pretty like it's your whole life from three to 15 that's yeah. your whole life like i say when you were 15 years old that's like my whole life i've been this way and now i want to change that yeah and i think like even now to this day like so like speaking has always been this big thing for me that i'm actually always working on so i think i've always been insecure about it but um even like in college and like after college i still was still making goals for myself about speaking like um but then it was like public speaking or like being vulnerable or like having emotions and like having real friendships. Cause it was hard for me to ever have friends, like especially growing up and like even through college because I had never had friends and yeah, like, how do you maintain a relationship? Right. How do you have a com like keep go conversation going? And like, how do you ask people questions and stuff? So like, even now I have like uh, an app on my phone, it's called Speako. It's amazing by the way. It just like helps you improve your speaking Mm. in general it's like for everybody it's like a voice coach and like a speaking coach and it kind of just like teaches you how to talk better and like be a better storyteller and like listens to your voice and it says like okay you can do this better you need to vary your pitch more mm. um shout shout out to speak or you, you'll find the <laughs> link in the description of Yo, the episode I would download this app it's a great app like it's really nice actually speako yeah wow nice cool so you're always like, you're constantly working on this trying to yeah wow that's amazing thanks you're doing a great job just so you know you're doing Thank a great you. job <laughs> i appreciate like that. because oh uh, yeah honestly i would never have guessed that you had mm -hmm. any difficulties with any form of speech ever thanks yeah yeah i remember i had a few people um when i was living in the states tell me like i'm the most social person they've ever met and like I, every time i hear that i'm like are you being sarcastic is yes. that a, are you making fun of me <laughs> um 
and they're like no you talk to everyone you're so extroverted and stuff and i think like i was always pushing myself like you have to talk to more people you have to get to know people like go talk to random strangers like these were always like my goals and then i look like i'm so social because i'm constantly pushing myself right being social yeah, yeah, yeah. like even traveling the world like right now overcompensating yeah, right exactly, exactly. <laughs> i'm like really yeah. overcompensating for all i always say like i talk so much because of all those years i didn't talk i have so much to make up for <laughs> <laughs> I have so many things to say. Right. I had a crush on Kyle in grade four. <laughs> right, I gotta say these things. <laughs> I actually did have a boyfriend for three years in elementary school. So like grades one, two, and what? three. What is this guy? You're like... Yeah, so his name was... Oh my God. He was so like, funny. oh, he's he was like, like oh, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> she doesn't say a word. Right. And like, how did you guys like establish? Like, yeah, he so was like, you're my girlfriend. And you're just sitting there like... I had no choice. <laughs> Guess yeah. so? What am I going to say? <laughs> yeah. And I remember, so like, we would always like hold hands, right? Because that's what you do when you're in a relationship in first grade. And he made up little signals for me. So he was like, squeeze my hand if you love me to like mean i, I love you in the first stuff. grade you love yeah. each other yeah we loved each other it was like this lasted three years this is my longest relationship yeah. to date. <laughs> so it's like a big uh, deal <laughs> that's funny i mean i gotta say it's cute as hell yeah but he's like saying you yeah. know squeeze my hand to tell me yeah it was super me. cute like that was basically the extent of our relationship i guess that's all, like what else can, are you gonna have issues about at that uh, age? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. No other <laughs> communication needed. Yeah. You left the toilet seat up again. <laughs> Squeeze my hand twenty six times <laughs> to let me know that you want me to change channel. Like it just it won't work in like with yeah. older people. M- Morse code with like squeezing hand. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. That's exactly. funny. Wow. Shout out to that kid wherever the hell he is. Keenan Copenhaver. Wow. Yeah. What I remember name. his name. I, he's definitely not going to listen to this. That's the only reason I'm saying that. <laughs> Send it <but>. to him. <laughs> okay. Here's like a random question. Do you feel like because you weren't talking, your other senses were like enhanced? I mean, I don't know about senses, but I was definitely an amazing listener as a, as a child because like everyone knew that about me too. They could just come to me, say anything and like, I would just listen. <laughs> well, you had no choice. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like the perfect, like almost therapist because yeah. like literally I don't respond back. And like, no matter what I say, what you say to me, I'm never going to tell anybody, you know? Oh, so, okay. Um, and I still have this like now in my adult life. I think I told you, I was like, people come up to me all the time and just like tell me their deepest secrets and like all this vulnerable stuff. And then they're like, I've never told this to anyone. I don't know why I just came up to you and told you this and i have this all the time and i'm like do i seem like a welcoming person because i don't always try to be like i just want to be left alone a lot of the time yeah are you a good secret keeper i think so i I mean mean, it's a skill that you developed over 12 years i guess yeah i assume you would be i'll tell you some secrets (laughs) (laughs) that you mean man it's so annoying Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for more episodes, you can always support us on Patreon and unlock exclusive stories. The link to our Patreon is in the description. You can also find us on Instagram where we post funny internet memes all the time. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the flip side.